You're listening to A Date with Data with your host, Amy Bitterman. Hey, it's Amy, and I'm so excited to be hosting A Date with Data. I'll be chatting with state and district special education staff who, just like you, are dealing with IDEA data every day. A Date with Data is brought to you by the IDEA Data Center. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Date with Data. I am so happy to welcome Don Kemp and Dominique Donaldson, who are both Part B data managers with the Georgia Department of Education. And they are going to share with us some of the work they have been doing to continuously and meaningfully engage stakeholders in setting targets, but also going beyond that and analyzing data, developing improvement strategies, and even more. And I wanted just to to start out by asking you each just to say a little bit about yourselves and your role and your background. Dawn, do you want to start off? Certainly, Amy. Uh, My name is Dawn Kemp, and as you've already stated, I'm one of the Part B data managers for Georgia. I have over 35 years of experience in public education. I have worked in a variety of capacities. I've worked as a classroom teacher. I've worked as a special ed lead in a school building. I have worked as a college and university instructor. I have worked with regular curriculum teachers and alternative preparation programs. Additionally, have worked uh, as a special ed director in both Georgia and Alabama. And most recently, across the last three years, I have served as a Part B data manager in the state of Georgia. Thank you. And I didn't even know all that. And I've known you for a few years now. So that was good to hear. How about you, Dominique? Hi, my name is Dominique Donaldson, and I am a Part B data manager for Godot. I work with Don Kemp, and I have had about 10 years of experience in education. Through my time, I've served as a special education teacher. I also served on the district level as a lead LEA facilitator, as well as a school-based LEA facilitator, and also as a program manager. And on the collegiate level, I also served as a university instructor. Wow. Sounds like you and Don actually have similar backgrounds. Well, thank you both. The first thing I wanted to ask about is, can you just tell us what your stakeholder engagement looked like in 2022? And kind of how did that all get started? I know you kind of were doing a lot of work in 2021 and kind of continuing and building off of that into 2022. So what what has that looked like over the last couple of years? Thank you so much, Amy, for the question. Uh, Examining the stakeholder engagement in 21 and 22, it has been a continuous process. And what I mean by that is, obviously the stakeholder engagement in 21 was directed a lot by the guidance in the SPP APR measurement template and uh, the guidance from OSEP about the genuine and increased stakeholder uh, engagement and feedback that was required. Mm -hmm. It 
it obviously from reading all the documents provided by OSEP was highly clear that this was not a cursory level of engagement or checking a box that you were genuinely as a state agency compelled to get meaningful feedback from your stakeholders. And across the last two years, that has looked somewhat different. In the first year, it was really like a tsunami of effort <laughs> because prior to that, there had been stakeholder engagement predominantly limited to the state advisory panel, which mm -hmm. is a very diverse and uh, well, well, uh, created panel, but it's not like getting feedback uh, across the state from multiple regions from and especially more from parents. So if you look at the charge that Ellie, uh, that state agencies were given with the SPP APR 2020-25 package, you realize that you had to really have some pretty strong scaffolds in place to make your stakeholders engaged partners. And I began that work in 2021 by taking the SPP APR and really clustering or chunking the indicators into specific subsets of indicators so as not to overwhelm participants. And I divided it into clusters such as uh, group A was were your uh, indicators for high school and life outcomes. And that included your indicator one, which was your graduation rate, your two, which was your dropout, 13, which was your transition type plans, and 14, which was your uh, post-school outcomes. So that was one group of indicators that were, that had a commonality and that I felt could be explored by a group of stakeholders in a meaningful way, such that they would be able to actually dig into the data understand what the data meant across multiple years, examine those trends, and assist the state agency, that would be the Georgia Department of Education, in setting meaningful targets. So group A was just one of the clusters. There was also a group B, which was uh, disproportionality, and that included indicators four, nine, and 10. Now, the majority of those indicators are compliance indicators, so you're not looking at targets per se, but when you begin to discuss uh, a topic like disproportionality with a group of stakeholders, they want to see the entire package, and that is why it included the entirety of those indicators. 
Mm-hmm. Group C examined environments for educational services for children that were school age and children that were younger, the uh, preschool mm-hmm. uh, age. And it also looked at your timelines indicator. Again, mm-hmm. a preponderance of uh or a number of those are actually compliance indicators that are set by OSEP, particularly for 11 and 12. But you need the stakeholder engagement to determine methodologies or ways that you could make improvement. Uh, Then Group D examined preschool and parent involvement and legal outcomes. And then group E was the assessment. Uh, It was only indicator three. And group E, the assessment has become by far the most challenging in terms of attaining stakeholder feedback Hmm. in turn, not engagement. The stakeholders have been highly engaged, but answering some fairly technical questions and looking at, as we'll discuss later, the target setting for uh, indicator three. So when we began the process with those clusters of indicators, we took our state advisory panel and we asked them in 2021, which of these indicator sets, which of these clusters do you have a personal interest in? Would, In other words, would you like to do more intense and intentional work? Mm-hmm. And we actually allowed the stakeholders on the state advisory panel. At that time, it had 37 parent members. And of wow. course, there were additional members beside the parent uh, members. And we allowed them to basically sign up to work with a particular cluster. We brought in specialists from the Department of Special Ed Services to facilitate each cluster. And they were able to share the data with these different cluster groups, assist in setting uh, draft targets, and examine practices that were taking place within Georgia. I think it is important to note that to make the work uniform, each cluster group had a a presentation or a form and a format of work that was designed and developed. I developed it so that each group had the same layout in terms of understanding what baselines are, understanding what targets are, looking at the data within their specific uh, area, and then examining ways that they could set targets. So that was highly uniform for each of those groups. And so we met with that work in the year of 2021, actually September of 2021. Now, we also expanded that work beyond the state advisory panel to include multiple other sessions that were conducted virtually that we solicited feedback from uh, parent groups, from 
uh, teacher groups, from people that were in regional technical assistance, state department level personnel, and we conducted additional webinars on uh, these all of the indicators. So 2021 was an extremely busy year <laughs> and there were... Uh, How many of those did you do? I think that I ended up doing in excess of 20 meetings Wow. Uh, across all of the different groups. <laughs> and we also generated feedback and engagement through the use of a survey that we sent to mm. everybody that participated to give us if to give us feedback on the targets. We hypothesized that some people might not be comfortable talking in a group, mm -hmm. but they might be willing to give you a survey, an, a, an anonymous survey result. Yeah. Now, and also they, they might have needed time to kind of think it over right. and consider the discussion and then, you know, send you some feedback after. So that, that makes Absolutely. a lot of sense. Absolutely. But we also kept, we wanted to be sure that we were looking at representativeness. So yeah. each of the surveys, we we did ask the uh, participant in the survey not to give a name or anything or to identify uh, an LEA or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. We did ask them for their race or ethnicity, mm -hmm. and we did ask them for what their role was. Were mm -hmm. they a parent? Were they a teacher? Were they a state-level administrator? And we also allowed for them to capture more than one role because mm -hmm. some people are parents of students with disabilities, but they also may work as a teacher in an LEA. They also, you know, so those types of things. And how representative, did you get a pretty, you know, good mix of participants, would you say? We did. Dominique, I believe you were going to speak um, a bit about the uh, representativeness. Right. It was pretty um, representative of our stakeholders, but we found that there was a little bit of under-representation in the Hispanic group. Hmm. And um, because of that, we did add additional uh, stakeholder sessions with uh, Spanish-speaking translators, mm -hmm. and we also uh, developed flyers to reach the unrepresented group um, to help bring those uh, unrepresented stakeholders into the conversation and give them more access. Great. Was that successful? Were you able to increase? Well, we hope that it's families. a little bit more successful in the upcoming year okay. with more collaboration more with parent to parent and other groups like that to mm -hmm. get the word out more. We didn't necessarily yield the result, but we definitely laid the foundation mm -hmm. for increasing um, the stakeholder support uh, for the upcoming year. Awesome. Don, how you, you kind of laid the foundation, I think, for you know 2021. How has it now evolved? What what kind of happened last year in 2022? We continued with, uh, obviously, we laid the groundwork. So we, when we began in 2022, instead of having to go back through protracted discussions, we were able to just kind of pick up mm -hmm. where we left off. And we did in September of 2022, we reviewed that SPP APR framework 
we provided all available data on the indicators that we had. Obviously, some of the indicators, such as indicator three, were not available at yeah. that time. But if we had data, we began to provide that to the stakeholders and we continued in our discussions with them about the data. And we also continued in our discussions with the stakeholders beyond the state advisory panel. And mm -hmm. we conducted additional webinars once again to try to get additional feedback. In addition, we continued to have a survey that was uh, available for all participants. We tried to encourage, as Dominique mentioned, more of a collaboration with parent to parent and also with our parent mentor um, group at the Georgia Department of Education. Mm -hmm. One thing that I would say that has happened with our stakeholder engagement and our engagement that's markedly different in 22 than 21 is that the uh, the discussion with the state advisory panel has become extremely deep. There's a mm. lot of depth in the conversation. They have an understanding of the indicators to such a degree that they ask questions about formulas for how you derive, particularly the assessment indicators, mm. uh, discussions of that nature. And they also want to know more about instructional initiatives mm. uh, that are attached to making improvements uh, in areas such as the assessment results of students with disabilities. Thank you both so much, Dawn and Dominique. It was great to have you on and just hear so much about your story of stakeholder engagement, how it's evolved, and how you're going to be making improvements and what it's going to look like in the future. To access podcast resources, submit questions related to today's episode, or if you have ideas for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. The links are in the episode content, or connect with us via the podcast page on the IDC website at ideadata.org.